I'm really sad not to be with those of you who are at Central Hall this morning. I was due to be there, but last Monday I had contact with someone who subsequently tested positive with COVID, so have had to isolate for 10 days. But what strange times we're living in. To think that the last time we met together at Central Hall on a Sunday morning was on the 15th of March 2020. That was 15 months ago. And here we are back together again, but wearing face masks, socially distanced, unable to hug or share food together, or at home, like me, joining in over the internet. It's all rather different than we remember it, or hoped that it would be. We had hoped that restrictions would be lifted by now and we could be back to normal singing and hugging, eating. But we're going to have to wait a little longer for that. And even when restrictions do fully lift, hopefully on the 19th of July, I doubt things will get back to the same normal that we were used to for some time. Uh, Maybe not for a while longer. And with all this comes a wide variety of emotions. Some of you have been desperate to come back together for some time and wish that we'd done it some months ago rather than waiting until today. Others, for a variety of reasons, aren't ready or able to come back yet and will continue to join us online for some time. Even for those who are really pleased to be back, it may not be all that we would hope it would be. Partly because of the restrictions, partly because so much has changed over the last year and much has changed in each of us. Whilst for others who've joined the church during lockdown, this is all completely new to you and you're loving being able to worship in a room with people who you've only ever met through a computer screen before. For the exiles who returned to Jerusalem after decades of exile in Babylon, there was undoubtedly a similar mixture of emotions. In 538 BC, the first exiles returned to Jerusalem after 50 years of captivity in Babylon. There were 50,000 of them, and they'd returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple so they could worship God together again. They'd had 50 years when they weren't able to worship to God together in the way that they had been used to. Once back in Jerusalem, they rebuilt the altar, then set about rebuilding the temple, which is where we pick up the story in Ezra chapter 3. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments And with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord, as described by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people had made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. So here is a great celebration as they lay the foundation stone for the new temple and are able to worship freely together again at last. There is much joy and celebration, but mixed in with the sounds of jubilation is the sound of weeping. But why? Surely this was a day to celebrate, not to mourn. Well, we're told that it was many of the older ones among them who were weeping. These were the people who'd seen the previous temple in all its glory, who'd been taken from Jerusalem into captivity and who no doubt had longed for this day of return. 
Yet these were the ones who knew that this temple would never be as glorious as the one that Solomon had built and who no doubt remembered many of their friends and family who they'd longed to share this day with, but would never be coming back to Jerusalem because they died in exile or decided to settle in Babylon. It is a bittersweet moment for this older generation. While those who are younger, who were born in Babylon, it is the start of an exciting new era in the city that they have heard so much about as they grew up. It's the start of new possibilities and a chance for dreams to be realised. During lockdown, we've talked a lot about fresh vision for the church and possible future shapes of how and where we meet. And yet today we find ourselves back here at Central Hall and online, meeting in a similar way to the way we used to, but with restrictions, meaning that we can't celebrate yet in the way that we once did. How do you feel about that? Maybe you're just grateful to be back in the building, worshipping together. Maybe you're disappointed because you've been longing to get back together but it's not quite what you were hoping for. Maybe you're at home wanting to get back, but just not feeling quite ready yet and needing to wait a while longer. Or maybe you're chomping at the bit for something new and different and frustrated that we're not launching out in radical new ways. For many, there'll be mixed emotions and that's okay. It's interesting to note in Ezra that when the exiles returned, they didn't just get on with rebuilding the temple straight away they first spent time settling back into the land. Ezra 2 verse 70 says this, When they arrived, the priests, the Levites, the musicians, the gatekeepers and the temple servants served in their own towns, along with some of the other people, and the rest of the Israelites settled in their towns. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. Then Joshua, son of Jozodak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Sheotiel, and his associates began to build the altar of God of Israel, to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They spent several months recovering from their journey and settling back into land before they started to rebuild. Interestingly, experts in the field of disaster management today have come to recognise how important it is to allow a period of recovery before rebuilding begins. A hurricane or an earthquake or a pandemic hits a community. Houses are destroyed, infrastructure is damaged, people die. And this triggers an emergency response to deal with the current emergency, to provide emergency housing and food, or in the case of a pandemic, to stop the virus spreading and deal with those getting sick. This is phase one, the emergency response phase. In time, once the immediate threat is over, the wounded and sick have been tended to, food and temporary accommodations have been provided, or the infection rate of the virus has been brought under control, it will be necessary to rebuild. New infrastructure, new homes, creating new jobs for those who have lost their livelihoods. This is phase three, the rebuilding phase, and can result in the whole landscape looking very different to how it looked before the disaster. It creates new possibilities and opportunities. But between phase one and phase three, it is important to allow time and space for phase two, the recovery phase. This is a period of time for the community to come together, come to terms with what's happened and assess the lie of the land before rebuilding begins. In this season, people can be at very different stages emotionally 
as they process all that has happened and prepare for the future. Some will get through it quickly, eager to get on with the building of an exciting new world. Some will take longer to process their loss. Some will want to return to what once was. Others will want to seize the opportunity to create something new and different to what went before. The important thing for a healthy community is that there is space and acceptance and support for everyone, regardless of where they find themselves. And that time is allowed to journey together and understand the needs of the community before rebuilding begins. To ensure that when rebuilding does begin, whatever is rebuilt serves the needs of the whole community, as well as creating new opportunities. We recognise that this phase is really important for us as a community too. There will be a time for rebuilding and exploring exciting new opportunities. But first, we need to allow time for recovery. So over the next few months and through the autumn, we are going to regroup. We will be meeting together at Central Hall and online each Sunday morning. We will be gathering together in our pattern groups and connect groups when restrictions allow. We will create space to worship together, pray together, laugh together, cry together as we tell each other our stories of the last 15 months. As well as looking back, we will also look forward together with hope to the future that God has for us all. And this phase will require us to adapt. Just as the exiles had to adapt to life back in the promised land after so many years away, the physical geography was the same as when they had left it. But so much else had changed. Jerusalem, the city that had been their security, was in ruins. And they now had to share the land with people who had arrived from other nations. It was the same place, but nothing was quite the same as before. They had to adapt to a new reality. And for those who remember Jerusalem as it had been before, this must have been quite a shock. Have you heard of reverse culture shock? So culture shock is an experience that can occur when stepping into a new culture that you're not familiar with. It can be exciting, unnerving, confusing and disorientating. I remember experiencing it when I went to India for a month when I was a student. I remember stepping off the plane in Mumbai and everything about the city assaulted my senses all at once. The sights, the sounds, the smells, the tastes. It was so loud and so busy with so many friendly people, such vibrant colours, so much traffic, cars, ox carts and sometimes even elephants together in traffic jams. It was amazing, exciting but also bewildering and unsettling at times seeing so much life and wealth and poverty all in the same place. But I was somewhat prepared for the culture shock as I'd been warned to expect it. What I hadn't been warned about was the reverse culture shock that I had experienced coming home to England. After a month in India, and I'd loved every minute of it, I was looking forward to coming home to the peace and calm and comfort of England. But what I hadn't realised was that my time in India had changed me. I'd spent time serving in some of the poorest slums in Mumbai, where whole families lived in makeshift shacks no larger than your average British garage, with raw sewage running down the street between many of the homes. And yet everyone I'd met had been so warm and friendly and full of life. Yet when I arrived at Heathrow and got the coach to go home, which felt so smooth and comfortable after driving around in bumpy Indian minibuses, everyone around me who had so much material wealth, seemed so unfriendly. Everyone and everything felt so grey and cold and subdued compared to the vibrant life I'd experienced around me in India. 
Everyone seemed so emotionally and relationally poor compared to those I'd spent this last month with. I'd been looking forward to coming home, but I'd changed while I'd been away. I came home with fresh eyes and settling back into English culture, I felt a real sadness. The exiles who had left Jerusalem all those years before had for decades been longing to return. But when they eventually got back, not only had Jerusalem changed, but they had changed too. It wasn't what they had remembered. It wasn't what they had longed for. They weren't feeling the way they'd expected to feel. As we return to gathering together today and over the coming weeks, you too may experience some of that reverse culture shock. We all experienced something of a culture shock as we had to adapt to a new culture 15 months ago, getting used to being at home most of the time, figuring out how do we path for church online, trying to stay connected to family and friends when Zoom was your only option, avoiding close contact with people as you pass them on the streets. But now as we come back together again, something you may have been really looking forward to, it may not feel the same as you expected it to. It may not connect with you in quite the same way as you remember. The people you were looking forward to seeing may not be here. The idea of being in a big room of people may now cause you to feel uncomfortable in a way that it never did before. If you're at home, you may feel that you're missing out in a way that you didn't when we were all online. Or you may find the opposite. Whereas before you could take or leave Sunday mornings, now they are becoming a real lifeline a place of deep encounter with Jesus and your valuing being together with a large group of believers in a way that you never appreciated before. Much has changed in us and around us and all that can be exciting and confusing and bewildering and challenging. But as with any time we step into a new culture or undergo a cultural shift ourselves, we will soon adapt and discover that God is doing new things in us and around us. So let's give ourselves and each other time and grace. The time for new exciting adventures will come soon. The fresh vision that we've developed over lockdown is still really important to us and is where we believe God is leading us. We'll be updating more on that next week. But the priority right now is to love one another and care for one another and encourage one another as we emerge from a very strange and bewildering 15 months of lockdown. And remember, there is one thing that hasn't changed. Jesus is still Lord and we are his children whom he loves dearly.